Hey everyone, it's no secret that video is a key component to any major marketing campaign. But did you know that on average, viewers retain 95% of a message when they watch it in a video, compared to just 10% of a message that they read only in text? That's a pretty staggering statistic, but it points to the deeply important role that video has in modern marketing communications. So what do you do when we have a global pandemic, you're working from home, and your typical video processes aren't working the way that they should? Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about those new and unique challenges and also some opportunities that are afforded to us from the new marketing landscape. Stay with us. Hello, and welcome to Marketing to Complex Industries, presented by Godfrey, a B2B marketing agency for industries like yours. Each week, we feature conversations about the latest challenges, strategies, and technologies for B2B marketers. You know, the importance of video can't be overstated in today's marketplace, and like anything else, it's been disrupted by the challenges of a new way of working. But the good news is that with a little creativity, you can produce engaging and effective video content wherever you are. My guest today is Godfrey's senior producer, Tom Gorman. Tom is a highly knowledgeable guy with a lot of insight, and I'm eager to share his perspective on video in the current landscape with you today. So let's get right to it. Thanks for joining us today, Tom. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. So in this uh, in this new age of working from home and uh, being extremely careful about social distancing and just general safety, let's talk a little bit about how that has affected video production in general. Are you keeping busy these days? It's been uh, hit or miss. Uh, some weeks are obviously busier than others. Um, it's it's been an interesting couple of weeks here when when we started this whole social distancing and, and quarantining. I think there was a, an initial uh, shock period of everyone kind of being like, what is going on now? How are we going to work? What's what's What are we going to do here? And then there's been a bit of an adjustment period where I think people have starting to gotten used to um, their current situation and setup. And now we're, we're kind of coming on that, okay, uh, we're, we're out of the really crazy times, hopefully, let's, let's hope we're out of the crazy times. And we're, we're approaching this quote unquote new normal that we keep hearing a lot about and what this new normal is going to look like when it comes to video production. I, I think we're still learning what that is, um, but I think we're getting there. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I, I wanted to back up a little bit and go back into some of what you've been doing to help uh, clients and to, to help the agency with regard to video you know, during this, this quarantine time where... Uh, everybody really is working from home. I know from my perspective, it didn't seem like you you missed out on a whole lot in terms of uh, being able to be relevant and and to step in and help out because you were able to do a lot of work from home. And I guess that's the nature of digital video and, and editing. But talk to me a little bit about, about what those challenges were in the outset and where you found some opportunities. I think initially when we were kind of on that initial phase of the lockdown or quarantine, or whatever you want to call it, um, the reality set in that, you know, hey, if you had a shoot coming up or if you were planning to shoot something, that obviously wasn't happening. Um, 
And obviously, you know, people, our clients might have had video plans already put in place or just a content calendar that they were trying to stick to. And a lot of that content was maybe video. And so you're taking a look at that and saying, how can we keep that content coming? Um, and after, you know, thinking about it a little bit and, and you touched on it, uh, we're in a digital age now. It's it's not that cumbersome to, to work from home, especially with video editing. Um, maybe you had a better computer at your office and it was a matter of just taking a trip to the office and getting that computer so you can keep up editing. Um, so, you know, thinking about just what's out there already at your fingertips that you can use to keep the content coming, whether it was, you know, stuff that you already shot that for whatever reason was left on the cutting room floor, an existing video that you maybe wanted to reformat, or even just, you know, taking up that DIY spirit right now and maybe shooting some of this content yourself, um, you know, the options were there to keep that content coming. Yeah. Well, what's one of the first things that you would tell people if, uh, if they're in a situation like this, um, you know, events are getting canceled, uh, you know, shoots are not possible for a while. What are some of the first things that you would, that you would tell people to do in terms of, maybe repurposing some of what they already have on hand or, or coming up with a new way to, to look for content. Yeah. So two things come to mind right away. Um, Generally there's a lot of content that might be left on that cutting room floor. Like I touched on earlier, Uh, whether, you you know, if you invested in a full day shoot or, you know, whether it was a product shoot or a testimonial or something, odds are you have a lot of content that you didn't put into that final video. So just think about what that content is that didn't make it into your final product. If you've been doing a lot of video, odds are you have a lot of footage that for whatever reason has never seen the light of day. So is there somehow that you can reformat or repurpose some of that content that wasn't used into a new video? Take for instance, like if you did like a product profile video, maybe, you know, again, there's just for whatever reason shots that didn't make it into it and maybe your product now serves a purpose in this new age that we're living in. How do you manage some of that B-roll from another project? Is there a special way that you like to archive that or note uh, what it is or what it's for so that it's easy to come back to later? Yeah, so that all comes up to project management when you're setting up your files. So yes, odds are a best practice I try to do is anytime a, a, a file is or a project is finished, you kind of package up that file. And what that package does is it shows you all the clips that were used in the video. And then maybe you can take that and also separate out the clips that weren't used. So those are easily at your disposal. So yeah, there, there are some best practices that you can take to kind of easily see, hey, this is what was used versus this is what wasn't used. Something else, and uh, and I think that you had, had mentioned this in your blog post as well, is when you're really looking for content and you, and you can't shoot anything new, um, you know maybe that cutting room floor stuff has some gems in it, uh, but you also talked a bit about stock video, and uh, you know without getting into specifics uh, about you know some some client work that we're doing, I saw you put together a pretty amazing video, uh, almost purely from stock in the course of 24 to 36 hours. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how to find good stock and, uh, and how you use that, how you put it together and kind of, um, you know, weave a tapestry from it. Yeah. So I'd say like over the last five years or so, I've noticed the quality of stock video has really improved. Um, 
typically I feel like when I was initially looking for some stock video, all I was finding was like editorial stuff. And if it was, you know, looked really great, it was editorial, you couldn't use it or, or whatever it was. But now I, there's more stock sites and I feel like stock sites that have been around for a while are putting more of a focus on that video content. Uh, so you can find some really beautiful stock stuff and some really, you know, things that you wouldn't think would be there, whether it's so product specific or industry specific, uh, especially with B2B now, I'm noticing a lot more manufacturing footage and it's really great stuff. A lot of it, you know, is 4K these days. It's maybe if you're looking for that low frame rate or I'm sorry, high frame rate, slow-mo footage, it's there, some aerial footage, it's all there. Um, so I'd say the quality of the stock footage has really improved and you might be surprised what's out there when you look. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that stuff too. And I've been uh, been excited because I remember when it was really hard to find specific kinds of shots. And so we would either have to go do an expensive on-site shoot or just figure out a new idea for how to, how to show uh, production, you know, on a certain type of line or something like that. It, yeah. It's a good time to be alive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and I, I will advocate too, though, obviously, you know, it's never going to be a, a replacement for actually shooting new footage. So I should put that caveat out there too. And, you know, if you're doing, a lot of if you need a lot of clips, the price could add up uh, kind of quickly. But you know that option is there if you need it. Yeah, well, I think there are times where you know we've we've done a lot of on-site shoots together in some some pretty interesting places, and um, I know that there are times where if we just needed one clip and we paid for airfare and got a film crew and went and got it, it's going to cost way more than buying that one stock clip. But if you're going on a shoot where you can get twenty or thirty clips it's all of a sudden a lot cheaper than buying all those via stock. And so, yeah, I guess you kind of have to do that math and, and really consider it. Yeah. It's one of those things, just consider it if, um, especially if you need a lot of stock clips or you're, you're looking to do a video entirely with stock footage, which, you know, I've done a couple of times now in my time at Godfrey, you just got to really make sure your messaging just kind of stays at that high level. You're not getting too specific and, you know, we're just keeping it at a level where we're not getting super specific and those generic kind of shots work. Now you had mentioned uh, the longer finished pieces that you have, like when you're you're archiving those. Are there are there elements of those that you can pull out and repurpose during a time like this as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and we've done that a couple of times for some of our clients. You know, maybe uh, a certain video that they invested in wasn't quite getting the traction that they were they were hoping for, or perhaps you know they invested quite a bit of money in it and they just want to maximize that investment. Think about how do you reformat that video for digestible social clips. So, you know, if there's specific topics in the video that you can break out into individual individual videos, do that. If you want to maybe create a teaser, now is the time. Honestly, you know, if you got a little bit of extra time on your hands and you want to keep your your team busy and you want to drive traffic to a, another video, it's still relevant. The topic is relevant. Create a little teaser. Drive some interest in that video. You know, there's all sorts of stats out there as far as you know, how much time people are willing to sit at a computer and watch a video. And if your video is, you know, over five minutes long, but the, the, the topic and the content is great, uh, but maybe people are just intimidated by that runtime, think about how you can make it into more digestible bits for people to, to watch. Yeah, well, I'm even thinking about, uh, you know, even those really short term clips that you can put up uh, where they're available for a day, like an Instagram or Facebook stories. Uh, you can have something that's a, a teaser for this video where you you hook people in 10 seconds and it's just out there for a little while. Um, so I, I think the 
variety of options is really interesting. And uh, it's a good time to be thinking about that. Absolutely. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about actually going on location and that's going to happen again. Um, it's, it's happening, I think in a very limited way right now. Um, but what, what kinds of tips would you have for people if they are planning a future shoot, maybe three, six months down the road? Uh, you know, how can they be using this time to benefit them? Yeah. So right now when you're not shooting, if you know, you have a big launch coming up or, you know, you're going to have a big shoot coming up on the horizon once we are able to do that. And, you know, we're, we're starting to now get all the planning out of the way right now. Um, you might already be behind the eight ball, so to speak, as far as, you know, if we're ready to shoot, you want to make sure you're actually ready. Uh, so let's make sure right now you're getting all your treatments approved by all the, all your key stakeholders. You're getting all your scripts approved by all your key stakeholders. Think about your shot list and any storyboards that need to, that need to be done and approved. Now's the time, right? You know, you have, uh, maybe a little extra free time on your hands. You know, you're going to do that shoot anyway, once you're able to. Let's make sure that once we're able to, you can hit the ground running. So you have approvals and all that stuff that you need to have approvals on. Get all the planning and the logistics out of the way now, because now's the time to do it. Yeah, so that's that's planning for uh, bigger things in the future. Uh, and it's also a really good point to be collaborating with your with your clients or with your your internal stakeholders to keep the project alive and also to to continue making progress on it. I would think that there would be a lot of bigger projects that would likely end up being better for it because we've had a little bit more time to plan. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you touched on it. it it's going to be better. Once, it's always easier to execute once you've invested that time in, in, in pre-production and planning for your shoot. Um, you're going to spend the money. I, I'd like to say you're going to spend the money regardless, whether it's in pre-production or post-production, you may as well get it out of the way in pre-production and plan accordingly. So you're eliminating the surprises in post-production. Um, I'm, I'm a big advocate for planning and pre-production as much as you can uh, eliminate all your variables. So It's the old measure twice, cut once exactly. but on a, on a much bigger scale, right? Bob Bila was up to something. <laughs> You know, we should, you know, just chat about too, uh, you touched on it when you were asking me about it. We are kind of coming out of that and we're starting to shoot right now. And the landscape of what that looks like just looks kind of different. Um, you know, there's a lot of the guidelines out there that, you know, whether they're company guidelines, government guidelines that you need to follow, shoots are going to look very different in the next couple of weeks, months, and potentially even the next year. Um, it's, it's, it's something I think people need to be aware of. Well, I would think everything from planning your travel um, all the way to, you know, even how much of it do you do on site versus having somebody local to that area uh, come and maybe you you work with uh, with a vendor. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we've done some of that in the past, and I can I can see that uh, changing a little bit. People using that in a different way. But but the other thing is is really the distancing, uh, the the sanitary precautions, uh, use of things like masks, that sort of thing. Talk to me a little bit more about what you're seeing and hearing in the market right now. Yeah, so a lot of the larger production companies, um, they're they're putting their own guidelines in place. Um, whether it's like you touched on, uh, people wearing masks when they're on set or location or whatever it is, keeping that social distance. Really think about how you can keep the crew just leaner too, just so you can eliminate the bodies on site. And obviously, it's a personal comfort thing. Um, if you're not comfortable being on location or on set yet, you know, I think people are going to be more than willing and, and understanding right now, just given the, the 
current landscape that we're in. Um, it's it's just definitely interesting right now how we're adjusting and moving forward with this, maintaining that social distancing, if we're wearing masks, all that fun stuff. And then the big thing too is um, all these companies, big or small, they're they're taking cleaning procedures very seriously. Um, sanitizing things once they're done being used, sanitizing all equipment. That's something you might run into too if you're you know working directly with production companies or, or anyone out there. There might be added costs just associated with that cleaning time, just because it's time that it takes to clean the equipment now that, you know, it might have to add to that production budget, too. It's been interesting for me um, as, you know, I've been uh, homebound for a while working from home um, and then, uh, you know, in the evenings, uh my my family and I have been watching movies and and that sort of thing, like a lot of other folks, and uh, and and to watch films and everybody's sitting really close together and everybody's talking, you know, right next to each other. And I've realized that we've become very sensitized to that. We're like, oh my gosh, all these people are touching the same thing without washing it off first. Yeah. <laughs> and, um. You know, it's it's it is it's really reiterated for me what this new normal is like. And I think that, you know, when I think back on, on video shoots that, that I've been involved in, even, even just as a creative director, um, you know, I'll still move equipment and I'll grab things. And, you know, there are a lot of people working together, uh, a lot of, a lot of three and four hands on a device at the same time to, to move it carefully from one place to another. So we are going to be much more aware of that. Um, and I think that's interesting. Do you think it's going to, push us to some simpler setups because I know that that cameras are getting smaller things are getting simpler and there's also a lot of sort of a DIY aesthetic going on where people are just shooting things with their phones do you see any kind of a of a trend uh, toward doing more of that sort of shooting absolutely but I think it's important to to take that DIY spirit or that smaller scale production, if it fits the, you know, the deliverable or the aesthetic that you're looking to deliver. So, you know, right now, if you have like an explainer video that you know you wanted to do, that's something maybe you can, you know, with a little um, can do attitude, you might be able to handle that production on your own with a, a phone in your basement and people in your audience might be a little bit more understanding now, given the time and circumstances. Or, you know, if we are getting out and shooting now and maybe you want to do some sort of testimonial or documentary videos, something along that style, that's something that you might be able to accomplish with, you know, just one videographer and just someone that's got a good eye for, you know, framing and knows how to operate a, a decent camera. But I don't think we're ever going to replace those big hero level productions when, you know, budget or product launch or whatever it is justifies that kind of spend and those types of videos i think you know in the next year or so uh, when we're shooting those on location or on set are going to look a little different with our you know the era of social distancing yeah i i would say it's uh it's a difference between getting the information out as quickly as possible versus creating an experience for the viewer and there's exactly. there's going to be it's it's yeah. that venn diagram right you know what do you um you got to strike that balance between, you know, that production level that you're looking for versus, you know, whether it's your budget or expectations right now of what you're able to actually accomplish. Right. Right. Absolutely. What are some, what are some other things that people can do to invest uh, for the future? I think one of the things that you mentioned was sort of the, the graphic look of your videos. Yeah. Um, you know, how can people be maximizing their time right now to be, 
making that aspect of things better in the future. Yep, it, it goes back into the, when do you want to pay for it in pre-production or post-production kind of thing. Think about, you know, all these companies have brand guidelines. And one thing I've been advocating for in the past couple of years is think about your video brand templates too. Um, do you have video brand guidelines? What do your videos look like from uh, an aesthetic of how you're shooting them? What do your graphics look like? Are those templatized and, and packaged for anyone that's going to do post-production work for you? They have access to those. Do you have branded intros and outros, lower thirds, full screen graphics? All those templates can be created now when you have a little bit of free time and they really save the guesswork on post-production. So in theory, if you're eliminating that guesswork, you should be saving time on your post-production as well. That's something that right now, when you have a little bit of extra time on your hands, that you, that you can be thinking through those and you know apply those and use that best practice moving forward for all your videos that are coming down the road. Right. So whether you have an in-house graphic designer at your company or whether you're working with an agency, um, you know that's something that can actually keep a few people busy, something to collaborate on and uh, give a nice, perhaps a nice refresh and uh, some standardization that I would think would would to your point, lead things to be a little bit more efficient down exactly. the road. So you're yeah. really making an investment. Yeah. So, and, and it doesn't just go down to like video templates either. Think about, you know, check out your YouTube channel. What does that look like? Do the videos kind of look the same or do they, are they organized in a way that makes a lot of sense? Are all, do all your files match? Do you have like exporting guidelines that you're, file, that you're following? Do you have a file for YouTube, a file for Facebook, a file for Instagram or whatever it is? Are those, are those best practices in place now? And if not, think about getting them in place. Yeah. And I, I think that's been um, a good piece of advice for a number of years. I mean, we started we started about five years ago, even looking at frame rates and that sort of thing. Like what, what frame rate uh, should our videos be under this brand so that it looks a little bit more cinematic versus something like the evening news, you know, uh, that overall aesthetic. I mean, there's a lot of little details and a lot of little settings that you can figure out ahead of time to really maximize that. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you touched on it. If you're looking for that cinematic look for some of your videos, definitely think, you know, 24 frames or lower frame rate. But then, you know, if you're just doing hub style content and explainer videos or some sort of tutorial, you know, that could just be your standard kind of 30 frames per second. Um, just think about how those little things right there, like a frame rate, what, how that affects the aesthetic of your video and making sure you think that through now. Um, another question I would like to ask you uh, in this, in this time that we're in, um, I've been looking a lot at trends and I've been looking at, at trends in the advertising that we, that we see and hear. Um, I've been looking at language and that sort of thing. I mean, I, I've, uh, gotten to a point where I, I laugh every time I hear we're in unprecedented times. Yeah. Uh, that sort of thing. What sorts of trends are you actually seeing with video in ads or, uh, you know, really for any, anything that you're seeing out on social, are you seeing any trends that you would tell people to use sparingly? I feel like everyone right now is kind of putting out that um, we're in this together video, which, you know, are, are certainly justified, but if you haven't done that already, that that, that ship is might have might have sailed already. Um, but really, right now, um, what I think everyone can be doing that I think is kind of easy is just utilizing your social channels, and if it supports some sort of live broadcast, utilize that. The, I was just reading an article from Social Media Today that they put out um, yesterday, 
live video is the third most popular social media tactic right now. Um, and I feel like that's only going to continue to grow. All these, pretty much every social channel now offers some sort of live broadcast. Think about how you can utilize that. Do you have um, you know, an interview that you can do with maybe a subject matter expert or a product manager for something for a launch that's coming up? Can you do some sort of live broadcast? Can you take it a step further too and maybe think about putting on a webinar and making sure your webinar video looks good? You know, there's a lot of tools out there that you can use to really up the quality of your video so it's not just utilizing the webcam on your laptop. Um, just think about how you can utilize these uh, broadcast tools that are already at your disposal that you already have and try to utilize them. That's really smart. And it helps people to feel connected. I think when you, when you realize when you're watching content that's pre-recorded, uh, you're aware that this is something that happened before and I'm getting caught up, but when it's live, you really feel this, this greater sense of connection. Um, I think because you're, you're right there while things are happening. And I, I think that really helps. And we've seen that uh, with video conferencing and that, that sort of thing as well. Do you have any tips for people on, uh, you know, you talked about webinars, um, also video conferencing. Do you have any tips on lighting and angle tricks that people can do from home to present themselves in the best and most professional light? Yes. Well, first one, what is your camera angle? Look at yourself. Are people looking up at your nose? And if they are, no one wants to look up into your nostrils. <laughs> Think about trying to get your camera up a little higher, whether it's putting your laptop on a stack of books or something like that. Uh, the higher, ang slightly higher angle looking down is always better. You, you kind of want your um, eyes, or you want the camera to be at least maybe like eye level with you at a minimum. Yeah. And then uh, think of kind of rule of thirds too. Um, when it comes to framing your video, it's, it's always funny when you're hopping on these zooms or something like that and you're seeing someone and like their chin is at the bottom of the frame or for whatever reason, you really want your, the top half or the, the top of your head in that top third of your video frame too. So just think about something like that. And then really just think about your lighting too. Um, it's little things that go a long way, whether it's for a zoom or if you're going to be doing some sort of social media live broadcast, um, make sure there's at least some light on your face. And try not to sit in front of a window because you're going to overexpose yourself and you're just going to look like a shadow. Those are just some kind of easy things that you can do. Um, and really, just a little trial by error. If you're just using your laptop camera, get up, move around, see where it looks best. Um, but the big thing is, and I, and I still see it now, which is kind of funny because we're in, what, almost three months of working from home and everyone getting on the zoom bandwagon i'll hop on one from time to time and still be looking up someone's nostrils and it's just like oh come on just lift that camera up just a little bit <laughs> my my favorite is uh is trying to guess what device people are on because you can always tell the ipad guy because because oh, yeah. the hand just keeps coming like right close to the camera and doing stuff uh, yep. yeah <laughs> you know and it's uh yeah it's always it's always funny. And I, I think that we, we give each other a lot of slack with that because it's nice just to be able to connect. But um, with a little extra effort, I think you can be more confident on camera. And that's always a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, if you even want to take it a step further, too, there's all sorts of devices out there. Now, they're a little harder to come by, whether they're external video cameras or external microphones to make you sound a little bit better. Um, they're kind of a hot commodity these days because everyone's trying to get after them or even, you know, separate encoder devices. If you want to do that full on broadcast too for your webinar, um, it's not that difficult to, to accomplish that kind of thing. You just might need a little bit more, uh, equipment than you might normally have at your disposal.
Yeah, I, I do think that uh, we are still in a place where just showing up is making progress. Just showing up is is beneficial. Uh, but, you know, with just a little bit of preparation and maybe just a little bit of extra budget, you can really take what you're putting out there and make it sometimes two to three times better. Uh, and that uh, that that benefit, I think, is is sort of hard to quantify. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's great. Well, um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing you get back out in the field and, uh, and, and going out and, and doing some, some new shoots, uh, when we can do that safely. Um, so I, I hope I that think I have a, a long list of partners and videographers that are eager to as well. I think everyone's raring and ready to go right now. Obviously we're all taking the time right now to think through how we can do it safely. Um, and that's the, you know, obviously the most important thing right now. But uh, we're going to have to get back to this, quote unquote, new normal eventually. Um, so if we can start doing that with some video shoots, that'd be great. And, you know, just in the meantime, until we're there, um, you know, we just talked about a bunch of things that if you're looking to keep busy right now, there's there's tons of things that you can be doing uh, to keep your video team or yourself. If you're a, a video content producer, just a lot of things to think about. There's always ways to put out new content. The, the big thing, too, and, and we didn't even touch on this really um is even doing some motion graphics and animation work um that can get a little costly depending on how much of that you want to do uh, and sorry to throw this in at the last minute but i did just think of it um, but that option is always there what can you do in post with a you know animation um it's you know whether it's kinetic type basic 2d animation or even 3d animation the budgets can be a little tight on those um and that's kind of, you know, in our in certain times right now, people might not be willing to invest as much as they normally would. But that option is always there, too. Well, at the same time, I think that there are some some tools that are fairly inexpensive. Um, I know, you know, for me being uh, in a creative agency, I've got a full uh, a full subscription to Adobe Creative Cloud. So anytime I want to get into After Effects, I can do that. Uh, you know, be aware of the things that you have at your disposal. The other thing is, though, uh, just like with stock video, there's also some stock effects. Uh, and I saw you do some very interesting effects with some client logos, really just by plugging some examples uh, or, or plugging some templates in and uh, and kind of watching them work their magic. It's uh, it it takes a lot of the work and I think a lot of the innovation out of it. Uh, for the individual because somebody has already done that yeah um, so it's, it's it's almost like the industry dirty secret that these are out there these plugins exist um i will say they're not always the magic bullet though sometimes they look great and then you actually get inside of them and it's uh, more of a mess than it's worth but you know those do exist and they're out there so if you're not a skilled animator by any means but you're at least familiar with the programs take a look at what's out there there's a lot of templates and plugins that you can use at your disposal that's that's all really good advice, Tom. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you uh, here today. Do you have any parting wisdom or uh, or advice for the audience on video before we wrap today? Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, all of these things that we we've been talking about, it's all things that you know things that you can do to keep yourself busy or your team busy during the middle of a pandemic. But honestly, a lot of these are best practices that people should be doing when times are you know, normal. Um, there are things that you can always be doing, always trying, whether it's trying to go live, think about how you can do that. Uh, develop your graphic templates, have those templatized and ready to go to save the time. 
And then also just maximizing the investment for any video project that you do. You know, it, sometimes you, you can spend a pretty penny on some of these projects and they might not necessarily get the legs that you were hoping for. So think through how you can always reformat or repurpose those to drive that traction that you're looking for. Um, it's really just best practices that you should always be doing. And then the biggest thing too is just times are going to be a little different right now for the foreseeable future when it comes to shooting new content. Um, I think everyone just needs to go into it with an open mind um, and understand that, you know, all these guidelines are in place for everyone's safety at this point. Um, and hopefully sooner rather than later, we're, we're back to some sort of normal. But for the time being, you know, we might need to be a little safer and a little more cautious when we're on set or location. Um, and just, you know, make sure you have that, that beautiful mask always ready to go and your, and your bottle of hand sanitizer. Oh, yeah, I, I really like the advice to um, really create some new habits and some new normal out of this, because I, I do think it's going to make us uh, stronger communicators. I think we're going to see hopefully better creative out of uh, out of the industry, because uh, we should we should always be sort of hungering for for new ways to to get that messaging out there in a compelling and meaningful way. And I, I think that we're going to see a nice uh, bump ahead from this time because I know a lot of people have been using it to to get better uh, with their their branding and to really do some some solid like deep thinking about this and, and video is absolutely no exception. Yeah, yeah. Global pandemics are horrible, and and I hate to say, can we find a silver lining in it? But you know, just like you know, when we're we're in quarantine or whatever, we're getting the silver lining is you're at least getting some quality time with your family. And if it comes to how we do work and specifically how we do video content, if we're learning some new best practices because of it, then hey, at least something positive came out of this mess, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, uh, thanks again. Uh, again, uh, my, my guest today is Tom Gorman, senior producer at Godfrey. Uh, he is in charge of our video offer and so much more. Uh, Tom, thanks for being here. Hey, Scott, my pleasure. And I didn't do it just because you're my boss. <laughs> full, full disclosure. Uh, <laughs> if you want to read a little bit more about uh, about Tom and about uh, his recommendations on video during COVID-19, go to Godfrey.com and click on Insights. He's got a great blog post there. You can get on and check that out uh, for a little bit more information. So thanks very much. Yeah, and always down to connect with new people on LinkedIn, too. Absolutely. That's G-O-R-M-A-N. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Marketing to Complex Industries is presented by Godfrey, a B2B marketing agency for industries like yours. Godfrey is built for technical products, discerning buyers, and intricate buying cycles. For more information, visit godfrey.com.